All right, this is The Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. And this is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! And it's uh, 11-11. It's actually uh, Veterans Yeah, Veterans, Veterans Day. Day. Yeah. And we have Dan Wilson, uh, actor, uh, playwright, producer. Uh, anything else you do, Dan? Uh, I, I do improv. I do do improv comedy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, you and I are on stage. Uh, well, we'll be on stage for Civil War Christmas. Lafayette Town Hall Theater. That's When's right. that? About a month. Yeah, we open uh, December first. Oh, the first. Ooh, yeah, yeah, it's coming up. Oh, through, yeah. I think the seventeenth. I know we end a week yeah. before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I mean, we've been struggling to, uh, not struggling, whatever, but I'm working to get off book. I think right. I am. I won't know until I get on stage. We know how that is, but uh, yeah, so that's He'll great. be fine. He's doing fantastic. <laughs> oh, hey, you're doing fantastic. You make a great booth. Hey. I, 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 like I am the face of evil for the show. <laughs> I am, I am, I'm just, I'm like every asshole imaginable <laughs> in that show. Well, we were telling the joke is like, you know, if you're going to do a Civil War show and you're a white person. <laughs> there you go. You, yep. you know, if this is not Lincoln. Oh, you, you made wow. a problem. <laughs> In any case, uh, yeah. how, how is your week, Norman? How, how is Polonius? And I, how I, is... I should be very positive because uh, I have voice. I have almost full voice, which is good because I'm leaving here and going to a recital. So I have to sing a song this afternoon. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Hamlet is going well. And I all but lost my voice opening weekend and then spent this last week just sort of being quiet and got most of it back and mm. it was funny because matinee last week i there were certain parts where i'm used to being excited and animated and my voice goes up and i was like oh my voice can't do that today i so i went down <clears throat> i mm-hmm. walk off stage and my you know my fellow actors are like oh my god you you were doing stuff we've never seen before i'm like that's right i gotta say i saw opening night as did you that's Rich. right that's right and mm. it was a it was a great performance it's a great show in general uh, but i fun. really it, enjoyed it, your take of polonius I, I give credit to the director. I, I just, you know, it's a short process, so mm-hmm. I just was absorbing as much as I could as quickly as I could. No, it was fantastic. I mean, everyone is doing, you know, because all of you have multiple roles. Except there are for 33 Gertrude. characters yeah. and seven actors, and yeah. Gertrude is the only one who's only playing one yeah. role, and Will, of course. And Diana, you and I were talking about how... As a matter of fact, during the intermission, during the bathroom, we were talking about how... That's right, folks. You get the inside (laughs) scoop of what actors talk about (laughs) in in the bathroom. bathroom. Right. Talking about how um, Hamlet was cut up and like, you know, different parts. Like it begins with speak the speech. Right. I pray you, which is a wonderful way of opening opening it. It really was a nice way of telling the audience we are doing a modified Hamlet. Um, The time is fluid. Mm-hmm. And that we're going to be taking some risks, and it was it was just a nice way of just like, all right, here we go. This is not the Hamlet you thought you were going to come. Not not that it isn't the Hamlet you're used to seeing, right? right. And right. I really I really liked that way of entering the, the world. Yeah, I like the non linearness of the of the I, storytelling. I think he has three monologues that are cut up like that. So they yeah. do it at the beginning of the show. Um, when the players arrive, they actually well, you saw it. They give him half a speech. We freeze, and they give him half a speech. And then he finishes up the scene and goes into what that speech would have been. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, no, I, I I really Kevin was our director, and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I really appreciate yeah the work that he was doing. So for me, it's an extra extra special weekend. My mother, my stepfather, my uncle, who I am named after, mm-hmm. and my aunt, uh, uncle and aunt flew in from Indianapolis. Awesome. And drove in with my folks from San Diego. So mm-hmm. they're back on the road today. They just saw the show last night. 
And it's just, it's mind blowing to me that my, like my stepfather has seen, you know, has been watching me on stage since high school. Mm. And, you know, my mom even earlier than that, but you know, I, I, I kind of expect it from my mother, but yeah, no, I'm just I'm really appreciative of that. And then my uncle, you know, them flying out was mm-hmm. was wonderful. So yeah, that made the show just extra special. And I had my voice back, so I was a happy <laughs> man. <laughs> and what does Mara think about the show? Mara enjoyed the show. Good. Um, it was funny because I'm trying to get, and I'm you know I'm putting this out to anybody. I want to make sure the next time I'm doing a show that I get a scene partner, a a working partner. To run lines with, yeah, so that my wife can just come and enjoy the show <laughs> without having to, without I, I sitting there in the audience before. mouthing my my yeah. part. You now, know. Dan, you're married too. Does your wife help you with with line readings? And oh stuff? no, no, no. She's she, she also is a performer. She, we actually met doing a show together. Oh, awesome! Uh, but she's working on her master's degree right now in HR. So okay. no, she has no time for any of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I actually just go ahead and I record my lines with my prompt lines mm-hmm. on on, mm. a, on a track. Yeah. Right? which I've now interspersed with Reg's piano tracks for the songs. Mm-hmm. And I just run that. So I, I'm doing lines with myself for the most part. Yeah. Huh. Everyone has their own technique. Like right. I, I will rewrite my lines, handwrite, mm-hmm. to just reinforce it in my head. And then I'll like give myself a test. Handwrite's a, a fantastic way because you really do learn that way by writing. That's an excellent way to learn anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it keeps it from being rote. You don't get into a rote memorization of this is what my line is. Mm-hmm. It's still in your head and right. you're able to bring it to life. Exactly. And you can run moment. into a problem if you re-record it, let's say over it. Let's say if you have a monologue, you record the monologue, you'll wind up doing it the that's exact I mean. same way. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. You can't just do that. Right. Like, what, what kind of uh, work do you guys do with, uh, as far as, do you like, do beats and tensions? Like, how, what's the kind of script work that you guys do? Well, I mean, we can. I love conversations like this. This is a great conversation. No, <laughs> well, this, I, is, this I, is a podcast about theater. Exactly, so I figured, that's exactly that's, right. That's, that's, that's a, a, a talk great shop. question. Yeah. No, it depends on the show. Like with this show, we just had a very short rehearsal period. So more than anything, it was about cramming lines. And I hate cramming lines. So for me, it has to become physical. So I was kind of freaking out the week before we opened because I hadn't gotten to that place physically where I understood what was going on. But I needed to learn my lines. Yeah, for me, I'll look at, let's say, um, a monologue. Like, let's say, for Civil War Christmas, like, I have three scenes that sort of, you know, go back to back to back. You know, there's one scene that I have with the um, the young, with Jason, uh, who is my superior. And mm. basically, I, it's basically, I just have one beat. I'm looking through my lines, and I'm like, listen... I just want to. I just want to fix this. Do my you know thing with the horse. Mm-hmm. I'm shoeing the horse, and I want to get ready for you know for Christmas. I just, I have work to do. Right. So just politely leave me alone so I can do mm-hmm. my work. Sure. But I'm going to be respectful. Mm-hmm. Beat number two is. I've you know my my soldiers are here with me and I'm going to tell them what what's really going on in my mind like mm-hmm. I have this inner rage uh-huh. of what happened on um I think it was um the uh, the the battle of I should know this uh-huh. uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Mosby's raiders and basically uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. we our soldiers were massacred by right. the by the Confederates take no prisoners yeah oh. take no prisoners that's, uh, that's, a, that's an intense scene the battle of Pillow um, Fort Pillow Fort Pillow thank you mm. so in any case I'm telling them listen I don't care what our superiors say when we get these prisoners we're gonna kill them 
Mm-hmm. Screw, screw everyone. We're going to kill them. It's almost like, you know, like I'm a street punk on, on the streets. And uh-huh. I'm just, you know, you know, this is what the deal is. And I'm, I'm getting this new recruit in. Uh, played wonderfully. Prisoners. Yeah. This is, this is a happy holiday moment. I'm going to wait for this. <laughs> well, I mean, that's so, you know, that's the no, document. I understand. So, you got to have the like, tension, right? Yeah, the tension and release. Yeah. So there's all sorts of tensions and release. And so I'm looking through the monologue to see where, where's the, where are the levels where does it get high? Where does it get low? You know, where do I, you know, really emphasize? What beats are not really that important? Let's say it's really about me feeding another actor. Right. So I'm focusing on all of that stuff. And I'm, and sometimes it fluctuates. Like I'll find a, a create, uh, you know, like the last uh, rehearsal that we had, I think it was uh, not yesterday, but the day, the day, I think it was Thursday. So there's a line where I'm talking with another soldier and we've caught an individual, Ross, who's basically stealing from our supply. Mm. But he's 17 years old, uh-huh. but he's a Confederate. Oh. And I've already made a commitment. I'm going to kill all of mm. my Confederate prisoners. Probably even younger than that, actually. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think so. Oh. And so... Um, they keep saying he has no peach fuzz <laughs> on his face. Right. So we're talking like 13, I think. Right, exactly. But... So I, there are several little discoveries that I make right then and there in that scene. Mm-hmm. Number one, I think he's just some, you know, some brats stealing from us. So I'm just right. going to, you know, maybe scold him and send him on his way. But when he says he's Confederate, I have the line, oh, God. My first reading of that was, oh, God, I'm rolling my eyes. Now they're recruiting young kids. Right. Then the second reading, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is way more serious. Mm-hmm. I've got to kill this person. Right. I've yeah. made a commitment. You got yeah, you made a choice. You've made a yeah. commitment and now you have to right. make a choice. And then have a line to this other guy who doesn't know what promise I made. Right. And I tell him, listen, I want you to go back to the fort with the other folks. Oh. Go very slowly. Don't tell anyone that you saw what's go what's going on. Mm. And you don't I don't want you to see me, you know, break right. procedures. I'm going to release him. And at first, when I first read it, I just sort of went through. I think all actors go through this. You just right. read it, and you're just trying to get through the, you know, right. the end. And you don't see all the little beats. Right. Sometimes you don't see them until you actually get on stage. Right. And you're actually looking at people. And, What's the old joke? When does an actor know how to, to <laughs> a play a role? Yeah. Midnight, a week after closing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know, oh, my God. Oh, night, I should have. I should have, would have, could have, did this and that or whatever. So, of course, my discovery was... I'm going to release him. I'm like, why would I release him? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm bullshitting him. Right. Okay. Oh, you, and you're going to release him from life. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. <laughs> but I tell him to tell him to shoo him away. And, of course, the director, Dawn, who's doing a fantastic job, it's amazing how she can just place everyone. There's all these vignettes happening. Mm-hmm. And, of course, instead of just moving people to their scene when the right. scene happens, right. magically, boom, they're there. Mm-hmm. Because she just scripts it just just right um so in any case um so i shoo him away and then i have to turn to the kid and i'm like okay look just close your eyes i'm gonna make it real quick mm-hmm. so the, yeah there are all these little beats that happen i'm sure oh, you yeah. have a bunch of beats that happen i'm sure yours yeah. are a lot more linear because well you're 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 john wills booth and you're, yeah, you're a bunch of other folks i mean with with my guys i mean generally i go through a script you know and i have two kind of you know, questions. You know, every line, what do you want? You know, mm-hmm. what do you want for this? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, I, I do what's, what's, what's called beats, mm-hmm. um, which is, there's like a, a kind of a code system you could use. Like, right. you know, one is you're reacting to a thing that you just said. Two, right. 
what someone else just said. Mm-hmm. Three to a thing said earlier in the scene. Four, yeah. five is exposition. Six is subtext not revealed. So you can kind of work through so that you know at every single point, not only what you want, but what is structure what's happening what's right. the purpose mm-hmm. of it yeah a lot of it i just do at this point automatically after yeah. doing it for like 20 years yeah um but with wilkes booth he doesn't have a lot of complexity right mm. there's not a whole wow. lot of subtlety to what's going on with him mm-hmm. it's basically me 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 yeah um everything is about glorifying himself everything is about how can he be a hero to the confederacy um subjugating others to his will. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the kind of big dramatic moments that you've got yeah. that are like full of nuance and yeah. subtext and complexity. It's pretty much just like, ha, 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 yeah. let's go, let's go kidnap yeah. Lincoln because but, you know, he's a tyrant. But, but what's interesting from what I've seen you on stage, just, you know, from the rehearsals, even with the little bit that you have, you don't make it one dimensional. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, even if you have only one intention, there's yeah. personality. There's, exactly. And there is, again, which goes down to each mm-hmm. individual line, maybe, maybe your overarching thing is glorify myself, get Lincoln, but there's also put Surratt in his place, um, buddy up with, with pain. Yeah. Um, you, even, there's even, always even the Weish, subtle. Even the Weishman guy, like, you know, getting information from him. Right. Go ahead and bleed this guy for information. Right. You know, he's an idiot, but he's useful, so we're going to go ahead and play him. Mm-hmm. Right. So, there's, there's, so there's also, you know, Understanding what your relationships are with mm-hmm. the other characters, right. how are they useful or not useful to you? Yeah, mm-hmm. because a horrifying truth of human reality is that everybody in our life, in some ways, are useful to us or not useful. Right. Whether it's for love, whether it's for companionship, yeah. whether right. it's for friendship. Yeah. But it can boil down to that kind of transaction yeah. aspect. My dad once told me, look, everyone uses everyone. And it was sort of a hurtful thing for him to say. I was like, no, 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 people don't use people. I was like, no, people use people all the time. Mm-hmm. But you had to go through these discoveries with uh, Hamlet as well, right? Oh, I remember, geez. No, I, it was horrible to get. So I'm just making sure every time I've got a moment where a scene is happening before I have to walk on, I'm running my lines. And as I was doing it one night, I realized, wait a minute, what's this scene about? I'm saying goodbye to my son. I don't know that I'll ever see him again. He's getting on a ship. That's a time when, yeah, that's mostly been worked out, but ships go down. Things happen. Yeah. He's going far away. I don't know. He's going to war, right? Laertes? No, no, he's no, going to uh, study, school. Oh, yeah. school. He's going okay. back to school. Okay. He but it's his first time away from home, though. Right. Well, this is, he's been there, and he came back because oh, of right. the funeral and then the wedding, which nobody expected. And then he wants to go back to school. I think he also just wants to get... It's a weird situation in, mm-hmm. in Denmark. So he wants to get away from it. But the polite way to do it is to say, well, I really want to get back to school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you do that. I'm sort of... I've got my political commitments. So I'm here and I'm going to see how things work out with this new king. But you get out, you get out of here. But this might be goodbye. So... And it stop me i had to stop and go wait a minute what that's a totally different energy so now i always take that moment before i go on and i'm Mm -hmm. not running the lines anymore now i'm just going i'm hoping i can catch my son before he gets on the ship so i can say goodbye right and then i catch him unexpectedly i know where the ship is of course the ship is off stage yeah that's where i'm headed Mm -hmm. i've been looking for him i'm headed towards the ship I catch him in this room and I'm like, wait a minute, what are you doing here? Oh, let me tell you all this stuff before I say goodbye to you. Yeah. And it's such a fun mm-hmm. discovery, but 
I wish I could have discovered that in rehearsal. Well, hey, that's one of the interesting yeah, things about yeah, acting. I think yeah. is is to acknowledge the fact that no one ever wants just one thing at any given time. Right. And that no one ever does or says anything without a reason behind it. Right. Um, and I'll see people, you know, maybe who are, are 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 newer to acting or whatever, and they'll like they'll just kind of recite their lines. And it's like those lines aren't just there to fill space. Yeah. Right. You know, there is a particular reason why those words were chosen, why that line is there. Even if it looks like nothing is there, something's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta figure out what that thing is, yeah. and that may suddenly change the whole scene. Right. Right. It's the difference between oh, a does. good actor or a great actor. I mean, you know, we've seen it on either in movies or on stage where let's say you may have seen the role, you know, many, many times, but all of a sudden one actor takes it in a totally different direction right. and finds discoveries that you didn't know. And it's like, oh, wow, that is, that's just, it's amazing. As soon as you said one actor, I started thinking, oh, we got to get to current events. Oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. Ooh, what a week. What a week. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, it's, it's like um, who, it's like a brick, in, a brick in the air. <laughs> Weinstein was two weeks ago and then it was Kevin Spacey. And Has it only been two weeks? Louis C.K. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's interesting are the reactions. So, you know, there's an article in the uh, in the New York Times, I think, where they were talking about, okay, so one is the right way to react. Mm-hmm. One is the wrong way to react. Basically, you know, Spacey was like, well, okay, I need rehab and all that sort of stuff. And, right. and uh, Louis C.K. is like, I did it. Right. I'm sorry. And what can I say? I'm a man. Right. And uh, and then there's a uh, who's the politician who uh, some this woman justice um, yeah oh gosh what's his name uh, it's in Alabama <laughs> yes it's Alma, and you know and the, um, and he is just refusing and I'm like well wait Roy, a minute Roy Moore Roy Moore Roy Moore yeah Are, I, I so they keep saying there's no evidence there's no evidence and I'm like well wait a minute she says he called her that's back in the day do they have phone records. Because well, if you call the house of a 14-year-old yeah. when you got no other reason to be calling that house at yeah. night, dude. And, and that I, will I, eventually come out because I'm sure that's going to have a subpoena for the phone records. Sure. There's probably some process, yeah. but that's that's going to come out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not even sure if there can be a an investigation because, you know, it's statute of limitations have way, way right. gone yeah, that's for all stuff yeah. like that. And also phone records. We're talking about the 80s. And well, right. well, yeah, okay. I haven't actually followed that because yeah. I get really depressed with Twitter, so I just turn it off every now and then. <laughs> yeah, you have that's to. a smart thing to do. So I haven't actually got caught up on this particular story. Yeah. But I think it's also the fact people are seeing that if someone can just come forward mm-hmm. and crack open that door. Yeah. And now if 20 more people come up and say, happened exactly. to me too, right? exactly. now we start getting into some real interesting territory. Yeah, yeah, because it becomes you know, what we call circumstantial evidence, where it's not direct evidence, but if right. you have a pattern, right. 20 people say the exact same thing, how, right. how, you know, how, uh, how ironic or you know, how, how it's too coincidental for that to happen. Right, and the, and the investigators are credible so that mm-hmm. you know, this, these, right. you and know, it's these also, testimonies are separate. Yeah. And the more, you know, there's the whole thing of safety and numbers. And it was, it was an interesting observation I heard. Uh, this was about the Kevin Spacey thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, note the fact that it's been five days mm-hmm. right. and um, Robin Wright has not made a statement. He's mm-hmm. been working with him for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, really, no one's come forward to say, I've known Kevin Spacey for all these years and he would never do. 
Really, no one's saying that. It's right. almost the opposite. It's almost as it was like, yeah, everyone's known about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Weinstein was the same. It's like no one came yeah. over and said Weinstein would never. It's like, oh, Weinstein. Oh yeah, and he see, would totally do that. See, that's another fallback where you have people who have worked with Spacey and it's like, ha ha ha, yeah yeah, we know that we talk about that all the time in parties right. and stuff like that. And now it's like, well, why didn't you do anything about it? Right. That's the other fallback. Like but now, it's so hard. I mean, we're talking libel. We're talking. I mean, right. You yeah. can you can have your ass sued if you don't have evidence. Right. right? Then you can't just go around like naming names. Everyone says, "Why do you name names?" Like because the law, yeah, right. and evidence. Well, and, let alone professional backlash. Right. Yeah, yeah, let alone professional backlash. Yeah. But when the Weinstein thing, Weinstein thing started, I went, you know, I'm worried about this because <clears throat> I think it needs to come out, and I think we need to address it, and I think we need to deal with it. Yeah. But the first thing I wrote was, "So we're going to have a truth and reconciliation because." Honestly, you know, it's going to be hard. All the women went me too, me too, me too. Yeah. I think all the guys are going to have to go, you know, there was that time. I at least saw that or I heard that. and You know, um, yeah, are we going to try and litigate? We can't litigate. You know, no. statute of limitations is up on this. We can't dig all this up with a point purpose of trying to hit every one of these people we do have to go okay we move forward with a new understanding and this is not acceptable like the whole contract thing yeah. no more of these non-disclosure agreements that say oh by the right, way exactly if your boss happens to hit on you and do something before you go to the law you have to come and talk to us and yeah. here's five million dollars so sign this and shut up and get out of here and that's what i think is the sea change is i think people say oh look, you know, are we just gonna hit individual cases I'm like well yeah we're gonna hit individual cases right now high profile cases because it sends a message that no matter how powerful you are, mm-hmm. right. this is not acceptable, and that you can be removed from your power position. Right. So, like, if Weinstein is vulnerable, then you're vulnerable. Right. Yeah. So, I think there's that, and also the conversation is it's, it keeps building and building, and we're going to start seeing societal changes of like removing these arbitration clauses. Right. We're going to start seeing people feeling safer to come out earlier, mm-hmm. not waiting twenty years right, to exactly. come out. But if it's going to take. Yeah, heads are going to have to roll before yeah. before the revolution right. and, is complete. And one thing that's happening that sort of shocked me. I mean, you have Netflix basically pulling House of Cards. Right. You have uh, a a, a, um, a movie. I don't know what the movie is. And There's you a few movies have gotten yanked. C.K. Lewis's Where, movie yeah. got yanked. Yeah, yeah but they, Spacey, they, they're going to redo exactly. the scenes. They're going to they go put in Christopher Plummer. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, that's pretty extreme. Because you're just like, wow, that's really, really horrible what you did. But we got to continue with our project because. Well, the project, right. Well, there's so many people involved and everything else. But it's, again, this kind of goes back to is like, these are huge changes that you don't make on the fly. Right. Right. So there had to have been a certain awareness of Spacey behaves in this way. And then when all the shit went down, like, okay. We know for a fact this is not going to be something we can get back from. Let's right. start making some moves. Like there had to be in the back of somebody's head. What do we do when? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So there was a pre-planned. Hey, if if things really really get down, this is what we this is what we need to execute. Or it mm-hmm. didn't catch them flat-footed. Yeah, yeah. And I think if this is the new normal, I mean, if this is the mm. because usually when things like this happen, it's like, well, we condemn what so and so did, and he's horrible, and we'll suspend him for whatever. Or right. it's like a little, it's almost like a little tap on the hand. Right. This is not a tap on the hand. I no. mean, Spacey may never, you know, recover from this ever again. I, I imagine he will, depending on how he deals with it, how he addresses it. Yeah. But it's going to take time. I mean, somebody made a, the Pee Wee Herman comment, and I thought, well, at least with Pee Wee Herman, all he did was do himself in public. Right. Exactly. 
Um, and he and, did eventually and even come public back. is in quotation marks. I mean, that was <laughs> right. public. Right. He got caught. Is, right. Yeah. He was um, he was in a theater full of sticky seats. Right. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but children, yeah. you you know, you're making your money with P- children's yeah. programming. Yeah. Yeah. How, how PG is this? I've like let at least one profanity fly, and I'm trying to oh, watch no. myself. No, so. this is this is podcast. Okay. You, drop, well, I, drop you the know, bomb. I, I I try to respect the space I'm in. Yeah. No, yeah, we yeah, appreciate. No. No, we're, yeah, we're not worried about it. Our um, uh, producer for Civil War Christmas Susan, yeah. has read one of my plays. Susan I was, Evans. Susan Evans. And so she knows I could get um, very out there with my humor sometimes, very raunchy occasionally, usually more writing than speaking. Yeah. But she said during the first was like, okay, so Dan, don't forget there are kids in the, in the show. I'm like, come on, Susan, I'm not going to go ahead and start <laughs> making extremely... Yeah. But you know what's yeah. you know, funny? During some of the rehearsals, I've noticed some actors, like especially when they get their line wrong, it's like... It's like, hey, watch right. it. <laughs> well, I just love that the oh, director... Oh, you're at, at that one... point in the process, aren't you? Where people <laughs> we'll are there. struggling God. with that. I just love that our, our director at one point was, was basically mentioning someone's line, and they're going to say H-E double hockey sticks. I'm like, she's going to say hell in three seconds. I mean, you can... Yeah. you can, Right. Yeah. You, I just found it really, really adorable that she was actually censoring herself, <laughs> giving a note about a line that was going to be said like a minute later. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we're not going to say H double hockey sticks on the stage. <laughs> yeah. Right. But do you think it'll be the new normal that actors will be actually pulled off of theaters or, let's say, theater or movies will be redone if someone is caught, you know? No, I think this is in I the I think moment. folks will get cast in the first place. I think if you have an actor who is known to be an issue, yeah. then your legal team is going to go like, is it really worth the financial box office that he might bring to the show? Well, he's going to bring are we going to find somebody else? Because now that puts you in line for the villain. Now you get to be the villain. And well, I think about Robert Downey, although Robert Downey's a little different because he, he, was he, right. he, he also, he also abused himself. Right. Yeah. There's abusing yourself and there's abusing others. Yeah, right. that's exactly right. But he, he came back. It takes time. You're absolutely right. It, it's going to it, take some time. It, yeah. And if he has time, I mean, I don't know how old Kevin Spacey is, 60-something? Is he? Yeah, he's so. up there. Oh, I'd wow. say it's probably a, a better comparison is Rob Lowe. Yeah. Ooh. Because Rob Lowe had sex with an underage person mm. on, 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 on film, on video. Yeah. And that took him, what, 20 years mm. to start, like, actually having a career again? Like, yeah. what was between St. Elmo's Fire and West Wing? Yeah. Like, how long was that? But that was think, a good 15 years. I almost think, also think of Roman Polanski and Woody Allen. Well, who is still who in I can't trouble. Despi- who and I just Woody despise. Allen. Well, and that cracked me up. One of the comments was, well, you know, Woody Allen came back and I thought, you know what? I have not seen a Woody Allen film since then. I really have not. Yeah. I, but, I mean, Scarlett Johansson's been in a Woody Allen movie and yeah. a bunch of others. And I think he's won a couple of awards. No, he, he's managed in terms of the, yeah. the industry. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. And there are people who support him and people who are happy which, to work which, with him. Which, which, but that, and I wouldn't that say I wouldn't though. work with him, but I just wouldn't want to have a drink afterwards. Yeah, but the question is, now that we're having the sea change of opinion, mm-hmm. if the Woody Allen stuff came out now, right. would it be as easy, easy to right. recover from? Yeah. yeah. And I also, Sunyi Previn doesn't look at herself as a victim. No, I know. I yeah. think she was conditioned to be in the relationship with Woody Allen, and it's really, really unfortunate. I mean, a stepdaughter, then becomes your wife. Right. It's yeah. creepy as hell. It is creepy it is as hell. Yeah. But again, if he had a history of sexually assaulting 40 actors who auditioned yeah. for him for his work, yeah. right. it'd be, and again, I'm not justifying the weirdness that is that situation, that relationship. Right. Yeah. But again, we're looking at somebody who did a creepy thing or even a horrible thing. Yeah. And right. somebody who has decades of behavior right. of right. abusing power. And yeah. of people uh, and of women who claim to be a victim. You know, there are lots right. of women who 
unfortunately are down with it. And like, hey, you know. That's what you do. That's the price of. Yeah. With, yeah. And that's that whole nother thing. We can even talk about R. Kelly. You know, I, I you know. know who are, you I know. made that I know, reference I know who R. Kelly. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that reference made too. And I'm like, yeah, but I think you're right. The times have changed. So the way people are reacting to it mm-hmm. is different. And women are feeling, you know, maybe thanks to our president, women are feeling way more free to speak up and say, no, this is not acceptable. Exactly. Which is a good thing. Which is an awesome thing. Yeah, we move forward. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Let's get into an origin story. How did yes. you get involved into uh, theater? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, We've all, we, you know, I do this with all of our guests. You know, when I was a little um, boy, a little girl, you know, I, my parents, I don't know. God, there's a, there's a few different versions of the origin story. Um, I mean, it's like, how far back do you want to go? I mean, the like, beginning. I, I, uh, the beginning. The <laughs> beginning. Like, as far as, like, actually, you know, Stepping on a stage. doing theater, I would say it was my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I actually went to go and audition for a production of Pfeiffer's People, mm-hmm. which was a collection mm-hmm. of little shorts yeah. based on the cartoons of Jules, Jules Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer. Oh, wow. from the, from the, the uh, a Village Voice. And I went to go sign up to be crew. Hmm. And, like, they didn't have guys auditioning. So, like, hmm. come on, come on, audition, 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 audition. So I auditioned, and I got cast as the lead. Wow. Hmm. Of Which, you know, the lead in Pfeiffer's People just means that it was a character that recurred the most frequently. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was Bernard Mergendealer, the yeah. kind of nebbishy oh, everyman yeah, yeah, character. Yeah. You know, and so I, I did that, and I also got to do my Ronald Reagan impression, because <laughs> you had to have somebody be the president. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I did that, and I got up on stage, you know, the first night, and had my very, very first little monologue which I still remember hmm. you know I was like you know I wish I was a man of power a man of strength I wish I could be President Bernard no no King Bernard no, Emperor Bernard Tsar Bernard <laughs> boy then I could I could meet some girls <laughs> yeah and the audience busted up and that yeah. wash of laughter kind of crested over it was like okay boom this is it this is this is the, this is the, this, this is the deal yeah but even before that, I remember back like in four, fourth grade, we were putting on the plays and I was King Midas and I learned everyone's lines. And, right. And, you know, when I was, you know, even younger, I would always do impressions. Hmm. You know, I'd learn how to do Howard Cosell and I would uh, do uh, C-3PO. I did that how would <laughs> yeah. Cosell. Yeah. Um, I loved Rich Little and I would just obsessively oh, gosh, watch yes. Shields and Yarnell and, mm-hmm. and the mimes and yeah. the impressionists and all of that. Yeah. So... In some sense, I've been performing for as long as I can remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. but as an actual area? like stage performer, not, yeah. you know, high, freshman high school, high school. Did you grow up here in the Bay Area? Yeah, I was born in Hayward, California, and Bay raised Bay in Pleasant Hill, California. Oh, wow, College Park High School, mm-hmm. right on. Yeah, siblings. I have one older brother, okay, um, about three and a half years older than me. Yeah, who is a recently retired firefighter because you could do that when you're when you're that age. Yeah, uh-huh, as right. a firefighter, you know, mm-hmm. you, you risk your life for X number of years. Right. You get to have a nice long retirement. Awesome. awesome. I'm only a little bit jealous, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, did you go to college? Did you study theater? I did. Um, wow, we're going to get into some interesting waters if I go here. Um, yeah, I went to Westmont College mm-hmm. with a degree. In religious studies with a minor in a theater. Wow. And then I got married way too early, moved to Chicago, did my last two years at North Park College mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a degree in biblical studies, minor in, in, in biblical studies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, minor in theater studies, and then three years of seminary. Okay. Wow. So, wow. That's that's a that's a different knowing idea. knowing that knowing that you do a, a, a Christian a cr- podcast. I do, I do a Christian I'm podcast. like, okay, here we go. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that's and um so yeah, I was. Do, I was. I basically went to went to college, and I'm like, okay, I'm 
I'm not going to do any theater. I'm going to focus on my studies. And yeah. that lasted for one semester. And right. then I, uh, I ended up spending a year and a half at Westmont with probably the most influential theater director and instructor of my life, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dr. John Blondell, mm, okay. who was just phenomenal, opened my eyes to whole realms of artistic expression awesome. that I hadn't really considered. Now, uh, we, we talked a little bit about technique, like beats and whatever. Did you learn that at that time? I learned some of that okay. at that time. I learned, you know, the whole idea of knowing your intention, knowing your objective, your super objective. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. You know, not only what you want in this moment, but what you want overall. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so for example, with the first show I did, there was the non-musical version of Peter Pan. Okay. And I, oh. was, I was George Darling and Hook. Mm-hmm. You know, and my super objective, I want to kill Peter Pan. That's like what I want all the time. Right. Mm. But, you know, some objectives, you know, I'll kill any lost boy I can get my hands on. Mm. You know, mm. so like if I can't get my main objective, what are the other objectives that I get? Right, mm-hmm. right. And it was a very dark version of Peter Pan. It was a non-musical version. Mm-hmm. We actually, one of our lost boys had to, had to, to double as the dog Nana. Mm-hmm. So oh, I got, to, I literally gutted a lost boy on stage mm-hmm. to get him off stage to go do the costume change. Mm-hmm. I took that hook and just like naved the chops. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is not your dad's Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I terrified college students. People were, were like, Jesus. Um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, where was I going with this? No, we were talking about um, you had mentioned college and where you learn, you know, certain right, acting as as, right as far as te- techniques, yeah. right? So, but then also to courses in in uh, directing as well, mm-hmm. and also just performing with really good performers mm-hmm. is incredibly instructive in and of itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. above and beyond learning certain techniques. Mm-hmm. But so I definitely learned the basics uh, at Westmont, and then when I went to Chicago. I actually, the church I got involved with, I joined their drama and puppetry group. Mm-hmm. And within about three months, I was like, well, you're in charge of it now. Bye. I'm like, what? And so then I was also writing and directing on a regular basis and working mm-hmm. working with non-actors or brand new actors as well, Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a whole education in and of itself. Of course, yeah. You know, how to tell a story in less than three pages, mm-hmm. um, how to create content on a weekly basis based on whatever the sermon's going to be. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, education is constantly happening, either from a book, from a mentor, or just from being thrown on the fire. Yeah, yeah. And figuring out yourself what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, now I know you're also a writer. Uh, when did you, when did that be, get, become part well, of it you? It sounds like that would be developed yeah, then, yeah. During yeah. Chicago. I mean, I wrote it, writing these short pieces, which are still produced around the world, which is bizarre. Oh, cool. Uh, they got, somehow they found their way on some New Zealand-based website of church scripts. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's fine. You can host these. Just, you mm-hmm. know, here's my email. If someone does it, just let me know what they're doing. And I get emails occasionally. We're doing your piece and you're doing your piece in Hong Kong. We're doing your piece in London. We're doing your piece mm-hmm. in Calgary. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> So I am technically an internationally produced playwright, yeah. although I've never gotten paid for any of that shit. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I can still I can still claim that. Um, right on. Are you published? You have- no, and that's partly because I'm a horrible business person. Uh, the mm. first play I ever wrote is called "In a Distant Country," and it is a basically I took all of the parables in the Gospel of Luke mm-hmm. and I turned them into a slapstick comedy. Hmm. Ah. Like mismatched That's them cool. all together into yeah. the wood style. Yeah. And I got a call from dramatists uh-huh. mm-hmm. saying, hey, we're looking to introduce more like church and family friendly stuff. We heard about your show. Can you send it in? 
I said, great. And I sent it in, and I made the mistake about explaining the process a little bit to the, mm-hmm. the person. He's like, I love the script, but now that I know how you wrote it, I can't see past that. Mm-hmm. Send me more things you write in the future. Right. Like, great. And I didn't write another play for about another four or five years. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I just, I don't even know if she even works there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've never even submitted. Mm-hmm. I've basically written, put it up in front of an audience, gotten reviews, and then Going to the next project. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I talked to... I'm not good about submitting things yeah, to right. other companies yeah. or to uh, dramatists or whatever. I've, I've talked to a bunch of uh, playwrights. We've had a bunch of playwrights here, like um, Christina Wren and uh, Jeannie Baroga and Scott Munson. And they don't, they don't really focus on publishing. I would think that having a book... Well, actually, Jeannie is published. I think she Jeannie's has some, published. Yeah. But having a, a book that, you know, that long after you shuffle off this mortal coil, you know, your book is there forever. Which would be mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But... I feel like it's really hard to get published unless you've been produced in New York. Yeah. Hmm. Like, it feels like unless you're, you've already had three companies do your work, mm-hmm. most places don't want to publish it. Right. Like, they want to make sure this thing has legs before they... Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I'm making assumptions to, to excuse my lack of initiative. Yeah. But. Well, no, I mean, uh, there's, a, um, there's a publishing company that does a lot of plays. I don't know if it's Scholastic or whatever, but and I, I had written them just on a whim, just saying, hey, how do you get published? Like, listen, if your stuff isn't on Broadway, then forget about it. Oh. So, yeah. whoop, there it is. That's so. annoying. So, bring us back to, okay, so you're in Chicago. When did you come back to the Bay Area? I came back to the Bay Area in 1995. Okay. Um, I came back actually, well, for a lot of personal reasons, um, and came back in my life. I went through kind of a Phoenix experience mm-hmm. of everything in my life just burning to ash mm-hmm. and having to really rediscover myself yeah. in the process. And so after a couple of years of that, I started getting back involved with theater about 1997. Okay. So about like after two years of just kind of going, mm-hmm. um, I started getting back involved with the uh, stage one down in, in uh, Fremont, California, okay. mm-hmm. which is where I was living at that time. And yeah, I just started acting again and getting back involved in the scene, mm-hmm. you know, started taking classes from Richard's side, not really classes, taking workshops with him. Yeah. Right. Um, so I can't claim him on my resume as being my teacher because I did like three workshops but not an actual ongoing mm-hmm. scene class with him mm-hmm. and uh, kind of rediscovering myself as a performer and then I got involved with a group called Cafe mm-hmm. Combined Art Form Entertainment yeah. led by Matt Quinn yeah. over at the next stage mm-hmm. and we did a lot of uh, adapted short stories and folk tales and multimedia work mm-hmm. and I started not only acting for that company, but also writing and directing as well. Mm-hmm. Originally, uh, starting off uh, uh, doing adaptations of short stories by Neil Gaiman and Ursula K. Le Guin mm-hmm. and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and then directing those as well, and then writing original work towards the end. Awesome. Does Cafe still exist now? No. Matt Quinn is down in L.A. running a theater called The Asylum. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Cafe has... I, mean, I don't know if he still uses that name yeah. for anything down there. I think mm-hmm. he's pretty much just running the asylum. Got it. And mm-hmm. you may take any aphorisms about lunatics <laughs> running the asylum as you <laughs> will. Yeah, yeah. No, awesome. I love you, Matt. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned, because you looked on one of my posters, one of many posters, and you recognized yeah. Lauren Grace. You Lauren Grace is awesome. Yeah. 
we got to get her on the show. What what showed that she worked on one of your original pieces, right? Well, uh, original piece is a bit of a stretch. Um, <laughs> so there, there are two short stories of Martha Sukup's that I did. She is a Nebula and Hugo Award winner slash nominee. Mm. Um, and so the second piece that I did, the arbitrary, uh, no, sorry, um, a defense of the social contracts, mm-hmm. I adapted, but I didn't direct that one. Someone else directed it, mm-hmm. which was a, very interesting experience to write for somebody else uh-huh. who makes you change the ending three times. Uh-huh. And when you and the original author like the ending that I did, but did not like what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she played the main character mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I first met Lauren. Yeah. Was was that. So me acting and writing and her, her, her performing. Mm-hmm. And then we acted together in a production at the old California Conservatory Theater in San Leandro. Mm-hmm. Now no longer existent. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's gone. Um, and we were in The Unexpected Guest, Agatha Christie's piece. Oh, okay. So she was the heroine. <clears throat> I was the sketchy boyfriend who everyone thinks could be the murderer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, just loved working with her. Mm-hmm. Now Lauren's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and every now and then, once in a blue moon, I'll see her mm-hmm. and we'll, like get together. And but it's like I see her like every five six years. Yeah, I don't think she acts anymore. I see her on Facebook. That's I think a shame because she's, she's fabulous. She really is. She really is. I mean, I worked with her in Othello. Mm-hmm. Uh, she acted with Paul Sandiago. Well, she had a child. Yeah, she did. That happens a lot. Like you have a child, right. and like the next two years at least, forget right. it. You got yeah. nothing. You yeah, have no energy for anything else. We had a, uh, a guest, Cecilia Palmtag, and uh, she talked about motherhood and acting. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things I wish you were there uh, with us, Norman, mm-hmm. because uh, that's something that we should talk more about. Because I don't think that a family. Well, you can talk about it because you know you have you have a family and balancing that in theater. Dan, do you have any kids? I have two dogs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they're your kids. Yeah, those are my kids. But yeah, no, I'm I'm not I'm not. But they don't get in the way of rehearsals. Right. No. Right. Right. Yeah. But is it, is it tough balancing family and theater? Well, I'm lucky because I, you know, he was a teen by the time we got married, so yeah. he's pretty much on his own, and you know, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I, but I hear and I've seen people dealing with that, and yeah, you're right. A couple of years, two or three years, easily, you can just get out of the scene, and then you have to decide that you're coming back and how you're going to come back, and your willingness to. Because this is a, a question I do want to throw at you, is just your sense of what works in the Bay Area scene. What is it about oh, the Bay Area theater that that appeals to you or, you know, that gets your attention, maybe even, you know, frustrates you? One of the things I've noticed is you get to that point where, where you start off and you're hungry and eager, you'll do almost anything. Uh-huh. When you take a break because of life and then you come back to it, you're must, much, most of the time, you're less likely to go, oh, yeah, I'll just put up with anything. Or oh, I'll yeah. Just, that commute, those mm-hmm. hours. Oh, yeah. You know, the work, the extra work that ends up happening in a lot of productions. You're like, I don't have the time and energy for all that. Yeah. So it's amazing to watch a woman particularly come back from having a child and find that life again. It happens. It's nice to see. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, oh my God, that's a huge topic. I mean, Elizabeth topic. Carter, um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be six, I think. And um, she's in Black Rider, which is opening, they're previewing at a at a shotgun right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's definitely made a, you know, she made it, she got back in, you know, it was, there was a couple of years where she did almost nothing but deal with raising child. And then it was maybe one show a year, and now she's back up and, you know, working pretty regularly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like even um, there's a um, 
woman who participated in the musical that I did, Mimi Totten, who's a, a wonderful Asian uh, actress and singer. And she had just stopped cold turkey because she had two kids. Mm-hmm. And um, But, you know, when I talked to her, because I never even auditioned her for the role, because I was like, well, you don't have time. Mm-hmm. And so, But she's, she saw a posting on Facebook. She was like, hey, is there a role for me? Can I, can I do it? Because it was something she needed to do. She needed to sort of break away from... The family is sort of find right. herself again. I mean, right. not break away from the family, but but get some me time, right? Yeah. And I think that's one thing. I mean, getting back, going back to you, Dan. I mean, I'm sure when you came back, you know, you talk about the epiphany. I've heard that before because I was in Washington D.C. had totally, you know, dropped theater cold turkey because life. I just needed to pay the bills, and then I come to the Bay Area, and I'm like, okay, I need to, you know, jump back in. And I did jump back into theater because it's something I needed. What, what was the thing that you needed? I, I get a sense that there was something you needed and theater fulfilled that is fulfilling that for you now. Oh, gosh. It's the big question. It's yeah. a big question. I mean, there, there was a company that I founded that I used for producing uh, my improv projects and other things I was doing mm-hmm. called Cassandra's Call Productions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The idea is that we do what we do because we have to. We speak because we must. We are compelled. We create because we are compelled. Yeah. As far as like what need, other than the need to create, mm-hmm. which I think is is the main thing. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not having kids. You know, my my kids are my is my art. Yeah. You know, things that, those are the things I'm putting out into the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is just excuse me. Mm-hmm. I have ice water. I'm getting a little <laughs> burpy. I know the Heimlich. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like. It ties to the question, like, well, what do you like doing better? Producing, directing, writing, or acting? Mm-hmm. Like, well, they all meet different needs. Right. right. You know, acting is easiest, and it's just fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Acting is just, it's, it's, a, it's a joy. You get to create. You get that audience feedback. There's a, a you, you get to play. Right. You get to play in a way that a lot of adults don't get to do. You know, uh, writing, you get to create a story. You get mm-hmm. to tell something that comes from inside your brain and make make a world directing you know you get to shape something it's like being a sculptor with clay you mm-hmm. get to work with great actors and tell an interesting story and you get to create a vision and producing you get a lot of thankless hard work but <laughs> theater would not exist without you right like i don't enjoy producing at all mm-hmm. but there is a satisfaction mm-hmm. that i made this happen yeah you made it it wouldn't have happened right your yeah. Vision. yeah yeah you know i i i got the people I, you know, raised or spent the money. Mm-hmm. I got the advertising taken care of. I right. did all the grunt work. I did all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so they all fulfill different creative or social needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's also the whole idea of family, too. I mean, I don't like to go to the cliche that theater is a family. It is insofar as you see them once a year for Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you get to know a lot of people. Yeah. You get to know a wide variety of individuals. And I find that every show I have, like one at least one person becomes a good friend yeah. afterwards. Yeah. So you do build not a family, I would say, but a community. Yeah. And we talk about that all the time on the gay. Well yeah. Because how I mean, that was my other question to you is how do how does what you do fit into Bay Area Theater? Do you find that Bay Area Theater is welcoming? Do you find that it's a challenge? You know, because you have a life. We we have yeah. our lives, and we try to put our artistic selves out there. But 
you know, finding that balance and how much is it you just putting out and how much is it you're getting back from the community so that you go, oh, yeah, I want to I'm going to keep doing this. I want to do more. I have low expectations in general. Um, Like I don't expect to get a whole lot back other than the actual task itself. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. I expect a certain degree of professional respect. I I expect people are not going to be, you know, abusive. They're going to do their best work. Mm -hmm. And if they're doing their best work and I get to be involved, that's great. But I'm also way pickier about my projects right now, which again goes back to the idea of coming back. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I got married, my second marriage, bought a house. I had life going on in about two, almost three years where, again, I was, again, not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Doing the occasional improv gig would be about it. Yeah. And... Now, it's like, I have to either really want to work with the director or the company or it's an amazing script or I have other things I want to do. So for me, if I do get involved with a project and they want to work with me, Mm -hmm. then that project is really all I'm looking for. Uh I'm not looking for a TBA award. (laughs) I'm not looking, you know, I've... I've never done. And that's uh, a conversation that we're we're going to have to get to yeah, at some point. It's been but, popping yeah. up over and over again. <laughs> we'll get to it. Well, it just happened, so it's like you no, know, I know. definitely yeah, everyone's mind. Yeah. But f- yeah, for me, it's the opportunity to do good work. That's really all I'm looking yeah. for. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about um, equity or union? Uh, I I have not. I have never done a show. I have don't have, don't have a single equity point to mm-hmm. my name. Mm-hmm. I mostly like doing new work, and you're not going to get a lot of equity points doing new work. Um, I'm also not a singer, mm-hmm. so that also reduces rather drastically the number of equity shows you're going to be able to do. Mm. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that at all. Yeah. So yeah. it's just it's not something I'm super interested in. I mm-hmm. considered going going to New York and being an actor when I was 30. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was like, all right, you know, I'm getting some good training. I'm getting cast a lot. Let's go do this. Mm-hmm. And I went with a friend of mine. And we both went to New York together, considering going both and going there and doing the theater thing and being roommates. Mm-hmm. Neither of us ended up going. For me, my dad had a major heart attack. My mom got breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I got five cast of like 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 no, three different shows in the same weekend offered mm-hmm. me a role. Mm-hmm. And like all this happened all at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> I've got some family shit going on that I gotta right. take care of. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a community here that I've established myself in. Yeah, I, I enjoy the job that I do, the work that I have, like my, yeah. my actual day job. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm working. Yeah, I'm getting. You know, I go to New York and I can go be a starving artist and I can hustle and I can right. bust my ass and mm-hmm. I can play waiter number three in a show. Right. Yeah, right. or I can stay here and do work I enjoy and be with my people that I care about. Yeah. And so I, I kind of made that call at 30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the death knell in some ways of Dan being a, a professional actor. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about the professional, the, the, what is a professional actor? I mean, right. I think that all of us can consider ourselves professional actors in, in that when we get cast in a role, we treat it professionally. We, we yeah. are treated professionally. Right. We may not be paid professionally, but, um, you know, we, we take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think being professional and being a professional yeah. are two different things. Yeah. And that, like, I'm not, I've talked to a lot of equity actors who do a lot of plays that they do not like. And, right. don't, and they actually, they feel, they just, they hate the whole experience, but they need their health insurance. Right. Yeah. So they have to do it to get their, their get that enough equity points for the year to get their health insurance. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And I've known people who have left equity, who have left acting, period, because it just became a grind. Right. Yeah. 
and they were doing work they didn't care about, they didn't want to do. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a huge balancing act. <laughs> yeah. And so that to me is like, if when you are a professional is, mm-hmm. you know, put that A in front of it. Yeah. Is the difference between having a quality of work mm-hmm. and between relying on it for your income and for your benefits and yeah. for your stability and, and all yeah. of that. It's an interesting way of looking at equity because you think, well, if I'm a professional actor, I'm actually doing the things that I love to do and I'm doing mm-hmm. exciting work and people are going to see me and see a different aspect of me. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it can turn into... Well, I got to do this little piece and I've got like maybe three seconds of a roll, right. but I've got to keep my points up and I got to pay my dues and it be- and no other, I can't do the stuff that I want to do because they don't hire equity actors. Right. You know, once again, and we've talked about this a lot, Norman, you know, whether it's worth being equity and yeah, I, I think everybody has personal to make call. <clears throat> yeah. But it's also what is the environment and how does exactly. the environment support those people? Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a bigger discussion than we're going to be able to get into this week. Cause <laughs> I got to start thinking about getting to my recital. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 That's right. Oh, that's and, right. We're and again, up to no, it. no shade on folks who go equity. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you could make it as an equity actor, that's fantastic. Yeah. And you can, you know, you're guaranteed that whatever roles you do get, yeah, are going to be more high profile mm-hmm. roles, right? You know, no, well, no not one, necessarily, but you're going to be in bigger folks, houses, and folks generally aren't going to pay you a lot of money to be waiter number three. It right, there are few houses that do that, but there are some that do, and but those usually hire from New York. They do some, but no, for for a role like that, they're not going. Yeah, to for role like that, they're not going to pay. But you're you not going to get to play Polonius. You're stuff. not going to get to play Hamlet. You're not going to get to. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but there are some folks, let's say, uh, Stacy Ross, mm-hmm. Peter right. Callender. You know, if you can make that work, that is awesome. Yeah. yeah, but I know a lot of folks turn equity and then they just never get work again. Yeah. Well, I, it takes yeah, a little bit of hustle. I, yeah, I definitely. I, yeah. I live in that world. So. Yeah, we should. Yeah, because you have to get going. Uh, yeah, call, call outs, shout uh, outs. I just got. You know, we got one more weekend of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Um, shotgun Go see players. it. Go see it. So Thank good. You. Absolutely. Um, Black Rider Shotgun Players is previewing this week, so they'll be up soon. And I hear that's actually got an extended run. I think they, if they're previewing now, mm-hmm. I know that they're going on past um, Thanksgiving. So, um, should be interesting. Awesome. Um, I've got two birthdays. Um, Pete Fitzsimmons, uh, he acted in Lifetimes 3 as wonderful um, African-American actor. i got to get him on board because he's an older, uh, middle-aged black actor, and I think he has a lot of perspective. I so. thought we had him on. No, not Pete Fitzsimmons. I think you're talking about Richard Harder. No, I thought Pete. We didn't have him on? Nope. We had a conversation with him at some point. Yeah, that was he, a dream he, you had? No, he was, he participated in, I, I wrote a play um, that. that um, oh, right. Yes. And he was part, when, of, the, he was part yes. of the read through. Mm-hmm. So in any case, his birthday is on the 13th. Um, yeah, that was Foreman in Paris and he um, right. re- read the role of Ollie. And so uh, hopefully that'll be produced. Also, um, Nick Mandrakia, our uh, our guy, Slick Nick, his birthday is on the 16th (laughs) of November, and he is a fantastic, I got to get him on board because he just has so much energy and people gravitate towards him. Um, Shows, The Further Adventures of Hedda Gobbler, uh, Dragon Productions, they're doing that. That opened October the 26th, but it closes on the 19th of uh, November. And is that Alan Coyne? Dale Albright is in that. Dale Albright is directing it. Yeah. Also, Theater Rhino, they are going to open up the Normal Heart 
Oh. From number the third. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's opened up already. Uh, November the twenty fifth. That's when they close. Mm-hmm. Also, the wide night. Um, that's um, Anton's well is doing that. Oh right. Yeah. yeah uh, written by that. Chloe Moss. That'll open December the first and through and the seventeenth. Berkeley, yeah. The Berkeley, yeah. So those are the theater things that, uh, and of course, um, Town Hall Theater is doing the Civil War Christmas. Of right. course, December the first yeah. <laughs> through the seventeenth, and uh, Dave, uh, Dave and I will be in that. Dan, yeah. I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> oh, Danny boy, we got, we got all the way through the show. I know uh, birthdays. Um, yes. So there's a film director I know, Ron Santiano. His birthday is coming up this week. Dodds Delzel is a um, North Bay actor, wonderful actor, and I actually saw him in a show in Berkeley a couple of years ago. Um, Nathaniel, who is playing my son Laertes in Hamlet, his birthday is this week. Mm-hmm. Fantastic actor, um, yeah. Wonderful actor, Michael Capelli, I got to work with years ago, who now lives on the East Coast. Um, Tamika White is... Uh, ah! Uh-huh. Her birthday is yeah. coming up this week. She's down in L.A. right now. Uh-huh. Uh, Melbina Jones is local. She, uh, Amy Mueller, who runs the Bay Area Playwrights uh, Foundation, yeah, the Bay yeah. Area Playwrights Festival. Her birthday is this week. And Sally Dana, who also does casting stuff, I think. Hmm. All right. So those are the birthdays coming up this week. Happy birthday to you all. All right. I know we feel a little bit rushed, but hopefully you had a good time, Dan. Absolutely. All right. So let me um, do our, my little blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. Of course, you're listening to this already, so you know this, but you can tell your friends. Also, you can find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper left-hand side and search for the Yay. You'll find us. For Android users, download the, sound, download the SoundCloud app or just go to SoundCloud.com and search for The A and you'll find us. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook and we will take it from there. And we we gotta gotta find find a better better sign off. off. (laughs) And we are out. (laughs) 